For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 100 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burghardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. That's right. 100 episodes. 100. Um, thanks to everybody for listening for 100 episodes. And I hope you keep listening. Um, there's not a lot of Star Wars news this week. We are in the fucking wasteland of Star Wars news post a Star Wars celebration, so... Uh, we're just going to chat. We got uh, on deck. The main thing I think we're going to be talking about is some Battlefront 2. We haven't talked about that yet, have we, Will, on the show? We haven't. Okay. And uh, I got a little bit of a weird, interesting story to tell you guys. Something that happened to me in regards to the podcast today. Uh, I'll probably talk a little Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And... We'll see what happens. Got lots of voicemails and emails to cover, so let's get to it. How's your week been, buddy? It's been good. Can't complain. Awesome. Well, before I tell you what happened to me today, let me give them the business. Mm. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Buy our stuff at tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Get it while you can. Who knows how long it'll be up. We are extremely happy and proud to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network with such luminaries as Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Cantina Cast, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, the Cargo Hold, and First Order Transmissions. 
some business out of the way. So let me let me tell you a little story, Will. <clears throat> I can't wait. So today, I go by my local GameStop. You know the GameStop I'm talking about. It's the one we always went to. I do. And th- let me tell you how I know. Like, sometimes I'm in GameStop, and I'm, I'm like, man, working at GameStop might be kind of cool. You're around video games and cool shit all day. You know how I know that GameStop is not a cool place to work? There's always new people working there. The turnover yeah. rate at GameStop is incredible. No, I know exactly what you mean because when I lived in Birmingham, I'd go to that GameStop a lot. And there was like there was one manager that was there, but he always acted like he kind of hated life. Yeah, you know, like, I know the guy you're talking about. Like, kind of acted like managing the GameStop was not his, uh, not his favorite thing to do. So there was this one guy that was a manager there. I I believe that he started working there after the first time you moved away from Birmingham. Right. And he was actually really nice. He always gave me the hookup on all the Star Wars stuff that came in. He would like put, you know, their exclusive pops and stuff behind the uh, the counter for me because he knew I would be in there looking for him eventually. Yeah. But I don't know what happened to that guy. Jesse was convinced that this guy wanted to be my best friend. Like he's like he just wants to be your friend. You should be friends with him. Was um, that the guy that saved like the cardboard X-wing uh, thing for you? Yes. The ceiling thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I go in today, and there's a guy who I've seen in there once before, and he is hanging out with what I assume is his. Well, I know is either his girlfriend, fiance, wife. Something to that effect, right? Right. And she's just hanging out at the counter talking to him. And I go in and I do the first thing I always do is I go and look at all their Star Wars stuff and like their little collectible section. But I was there to get a pro controller for my Nintendo Switch. That's what I was going to uh, GameStop for. An important piece of information is that today I'm wearing my Your Snoke Theory Sucks shirt from our buddy right. steel so he comes up and you know he does the whole hey is there anything i can ask uh, help you with i told him you know i'm here to get a pro controller for the switch he said okay cool and he goes all right there's not one up here but we've got some in the back so i go up to the counter i'm the only one in there and his lady friend is up there and she sees my shirt and she goes oh my god i love that shirt and I love Steel Wars. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I love Steel Wars too. I know Steel. He's a really good guy. And she gets this look on her face and goes, are you Halls from Blue Harvest and Rogue One? No. And I go, yeah, that's me. And she's go, she goes, oh my god, Brian, come out here! It's Halls from Blue Harvest! And he comes oh, out. Oh boy. She's like, we listen to your podcast all the time! And he comes out and he is like, I told you I thought he comes to this GameStop. And he's like, I didn't know it was him for sure because his name is different on his power-up account. Like, you know, my first name is Richard. But I go Which by means halls. He stalked you, by the way. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. If you guys are listening now, you know, I'm flattered. Stalk in the good way, not the bad way. Yeah, not in like the dee 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 In the like, he looked you up in the system. I wonder. Um, 
And so I talked to them for a little bit and, and she was like, you don't sound like you do on the podcast. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, they had some nice stuff to say. They were very kind and told me to tell you hello. And they said right they were excited for the 100th episode and um, and things like that. You know, real brief, but I, weird. The first time that's happened in Birmingham. And that's pretty fucking sweet, dude. I don't know how, like, you set that up like it was going to be weird, but that's fucking awesome. It Well... Weird in only the fact that I never expected it to happen. They weren't weird at all. They were very nice, like no. I said. And like and, that's not how you were like something, something. You know, you were like I got a story, kind of a a, a crazy story for you, like crazy <coughs> awesome. Yeah, that you were recognized in your own GameStop as a local celebrity. Ugh, local celebrity is not. The, come on, buddy, don't blow it up like that. I don't but, know. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, it's awesome to me. I'm sitting here. I'm proud. I'm like, damn right. But yeah, so uh, we got a couple of fans at the, the local Irondale GameStop. Um, it's our people. One more thing I want to show you. I'm actually going to turn the camera on and show this to you. Uh, a good buddy of ours and listener to the podcast, Rashad, uh, sent us some gifts in the mail today, and he sent you one. Um. Can you see this? I can. That is a holographic Kia D. Mundi figure right oh, there. We no, both got baby. one. Oh, shit. Isn't that Thank awesome? Thank you, Rashad. For sure, Rashad. That's badass. Look at Thank that. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Look at that blue, blue cock-headed bastard. Mm. Mm. I, I, the, key, the Kia D you gave me, Yeah. Uh, he sits on my... Like the TV I have for my Xbox and my gaming sits in the uh, guest room, right? And he, the little Kia D sits right in front of that TV. So I look at Kia D every time I play video games or watch the Netflix. Nice, and that that came from our buddy Aaron from OKC, Aaron from OK Cupid. Um, mm. So yeah, I just wanted to show you that, and I've got yours. It'll be safe and sound. So the next time I see you, I will pass that on to you. Hell yeah. Little one hundredth episode surprise for you there, buddy. That was awesome. That's um, an awesome surprise. So yeah, these surprises. You were talking about it um, before we started uh, podcasting. You got a chance to go see Guardians of the Galaxy too, huh? I did. I did. I saw Guardians too. I did too. What'd you think? Now I love let's, it. Let's let's avoid I mean, giving any spoilers because it's it's only been out for a week or anything. Yeah, so. I'm not gonna try to spoil it for anyone. Um, I loved it. I thought it was funny i laughed out loud at several parts you know like and for me that's a stretch you know for me to laugh out loud at a movie it's got to be funny because i can find something funny without laughing out loud you know but i think you know great adventure great character development it had some feels it had the action it was good i've been um i've been reading some some feedback from other people and they're like oh you know it was good. I just something about it was disappointing. And while I I can't really get behind that, like I'm not sure how they were disappointed except for the fact that you know, in the first one, just like any first movie, it kind of sets the stage. Right. And there's that moment where everyone it's like a an introduction of everyone. Like you know, it, it sets the stage, starts the team, everyone comes together. And then in the second one, you know, it's the next adventure. 
everyone's already together and it's like there's no need to set up an introduction for the team they're already a team right so now they just have their next adventure like that element didn't exactly happen but there was you know some other elements some other teams kind of coming together that that was kind of neat to see so I might actually be in sort of the minority here, although I, I brought this up on Rogue One and and King Tom and some other people came to my defense, not even defense, but just agreed with me that I actually enjoyed the second one better than the first, and I love the first. I can totally see why. Like, and, and let me tell you why. And I want to bring up something that will sort of wrap it into the whole Star Wars discussion. To me, what pushes this one over the edge is the fact is a way better villain than Ronan was in part one. I I get where you're coming from, but I still like Ronan as a villain. He was evil, like super, like hateable evil. I'm not saying he was necessarily a bad villain, but there was so much more development and... um, I mean, it's... It's all versus someone I'm not even really that Very familiar true. with, you know. Um, and I'll 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 say this without giving in away any spoilers: you get to see a young Kurt Russell, and they do that same kind of magic that they do in Rogue One, and it's really good. Like it's 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 really good. Yeah. So this is the thing. It is good, but I mean, is that the new thing for Marvel movies? Are they just going to find an excuse to do the? The younger well, they do version. It. They've I done don't, it. I, I think it's Disney. I think Disney's on that kick. Marvel's going to do it. Star Wars is going to do it. Pirates of the Caribbean's doing it in this next movie. Which you looks know, fucking awful. Looks a little awful. He looks a little scrawny. He looks, you know. I'm done with Johnny Depp, man. <laughs> I'm just done. Like, uh, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is annoying to me anyway. I'm not a big fan of those movies to begin with. I'm not a big fan of the fact that for four years after that first one... I had to hear fucking the rum is gone drunk, uh, dr- uh, jokes and shit for months and months and months. Like, And every girlfriend or soccer mom that I ever met screaming her spinach over Johnny Depp as a pirate, greasy pirate. <coughs> we get it, Johnny Depp. You're a quirky pirate. I'm done. I was never, like I said, I was never in on the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. But you compare the CG you see in something like Rogue One or The Force Awakens or Guardians of the Galaxy 2, to the CG you just see in that trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's wildly different. Like, the CG looks terrible. Terrible. And while I feel like there's... And and I feel like there's two different standards, though. I feel like the Pirates of the Caribbean, because of how... I mean, it's kind of outlandish. It's It's super fanciful, if you get my drift. Like, you know, you had... Bill Nye with tentacles for a face, right? In, right. in the third one, I guess. Uh, you know, and uh, in while in Guardians of the Galaxy, it's still it's still fantastical, but you know, Star Star ugh, Star Wars and the Marvel movies, they you know they use that to to make it more real, if that makes sense. Yeah, but like. Like, They're trying to to fool your senses towards it seeming realistic, and in the Pirates of the Caribbean shit, they they don't they ain't worried about it looking realistic. That it it can look as ridiculous as need be, I guess. 
this is the thing. Like, you say that, but then you we're talking about a movie that we both went to see that has a three-foot-tall talking raccoon who yeah. never once was I like, the CG on Rocket is bad. No, like, it was even better than the first one, I it thought. It was. I could, his face was more expressive. And it wasn't bad in the first one, but I got more emotion out of Rocket than I did in the first one, I believe. For sure. And then Baby Groot. I mean, never once was I like, oh, yeah, that's a CG little fucking plant tree thing. Like, I was just like, no, I, f- I fucking love Baby Groot. Yeah. And absolutely. I don't know that I've ever felt so mad and upset about something being done to a CG character than when all the Ravagers were fucking with Baby Groot in that one scene. Right. Yeah. I was so pissed off. I was like, don't yep. you do that to fucking Baby Groot, you fucking assholes. Speaking of Ravagers, own. did you know that uh, Richard Christie from the Stern Show was one of the Ravagers? No, which one? I don't know that he has any speaking lines or anything, but he's he's definitely one of the Ravagers in that movie. He's been posting about it on Twitter and stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite. They let me be a Ravager. Yeah. Hey, Howard. Um, all right. So what I was see my balls. <laughs> so what I was uh, Sal can come in and lick my taint. Let's um, play. What's in the what's what, in the what's oh, in God. Sal's pouch? Pouch, yeah. What's in Sal's pouch? Um, what? Tell me what you think about this. Now I know this is not exactly the hardest comparison to make because it's the second entry in a sci-fi fantasy series. But did you get any sort of like? I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy. Definitely took a couple of pages out of the uh, Empire Strikes Back playbook. Right? You split up, you know, you start off, well, I don't want to, without getting into too many spoilers. So, like, there's definitely some father issue stuff that goes on. You definitely. That was what I was about. I was about to say the daddy issue thing is maybe, maybe the largest component of that that Uh, I feel like. Well, let me, let me see if I can't sway you a little. Think about this. You're dealing with a main character who is coming to grips with some new powers that he didn't really know he had. Being trained on a sort of mystical, magical planet, right? You split the team up. They split the team up. Uh, There's definitely the darker component where, you know, everybody talks about how... um, And I'm not saying it's for by any means a beat for beat remake of empire strikes back and honestly it probably just comes down to the tenets of making a good sequel right so it could be that they just followed that more than anything but um you know a a deeper focus on character because when you think about it there's not a you know there's a pretty significant action set piece at the beginning then you know, the action sort of dies down and it gets more into character building towards the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot like um, Empire Strikes Back. And like I said, I don't feel like it's an exact copy or anything, but I just feel like there's some similarities there. I can see where you're going. I can see the similarities you're going for. You know, it's weird. So 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2 takes place just a few months after Guardians 1, right? Mm-hmm. The next time we will see the Guardians is going to be in Infinity War next year, the third Avengers movie. That is set two years after Guardians 2. So the next time we will see them, it'll be two years after Guardians 2, basically. So, And then there's going to be a third Guardians of Galaxy movie that will wrap up Star-Lord's storyline. Right. And that won't be out until 2020 after the fourth Avengers movie. So we're going to go from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, take a two-year, in, in terms of these characters, take a two-year jump, Infinity War, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be set after Avengers 3 and 4. So I find that kind of interesting, that if you were to just sit down and watch Guardians 1 and 2 and then jump to 3 without seeing Infinity War, there would be a huge time jump. And now, that's true. Uh, now, I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, like I think the first Guardians of the Galaxy opened the door <coughs> for the Marvel Cinematic Universe's expedition into space, right? Which oh, is sure. a big deal for Marvel. You know, a lot of... A lot... You know, okay, for Disney to be successful with its Marvel Cinematic Universe, it did what it had to do. It started with the heavy hitters. You know, uh, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, bring the Avengers together, right? That's your first step. Right. Then you introduce threats that are larger than just Earth because that's what Marvel is. You know, Marvel is universal. You know, no pun intended, but, you know, in Marvel, there's a whole universe of threats out there. You know, Galactus and Thanos. and Yeah. Well, the thing you have to keep in mind is how many of those cosmic threats, like they can't do Galactus. No. Galactus is owned by Fox. They can't do Galactus. But what I was going to say was, I believe, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy opened the door towards that, you know, to move in a direction towards uh, the Marvel cosmology and cosmic sort of threats and even telling cosmic stories. Uh, I've, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 opened the door even further, like kicked it open for everyone else. And um, I don't believe this is a spoiler, but Stallone is in it as a really cool character. Right. And what it sets up for that group is really neat. Uh, also, you know, then you have the, you know, the potential for the Inhumans. I know that's coming. So right. Guardians 2 kind of just kick the door wide open, I feel like, for the whole Marvel cosmology. You saw the Watchers. I mean, God, that's a spoiler. But anyway, uh, stay. If you haven't seen it, uh, stay all the way through to the very end. I'm talking till you see the no animals were harmed in the making of this movie, yeah, Panavision, whatever. If, like, do not leave the you, end of the credits. If you want... Um... If you want an exact number on the after credit scenes, there's five of them. So after you've seen five, you know you've seen the entirety of what they have to offer as far as after credit scenes. Um, and, and as far as like the cosmic Marvel Universe, we've got Guardians 3 on the way. We've got Captain Marvel on the way. Um, I can't imagine that at some point we won't get into Nova. Um you know, there, there's lots that they can do with the whole 
galactic sort of thing. And then, you know, with Doctor Strange, you get into the whole interdimensional thing. So they're definitely say, opening it up. Doctor Strange is another is another, you know, tool in that arsenal because I saw Doctor Strange as well. That's an awesome movie. It is. So, um, you want to talk a little Star Wars? Yeah, let's talk Star Wars. Um, a couple quick Star Wars news items that I read earlier this week and just kind of found again. Um, there's a rumor that Jabba the Hutt may be in the Han Solo movie. Um, n- there's a video of newlyweds having a lightsaber fight instead of their first dance, which is kind of neat. Also, uh, the you know Star Wars fans naming their sons Kylo is like jumped up a crazy amount which i wouldn't personally do but you know more power to the people that have yeah i I just can't see so this it's funny that you bring this up the other day i was talking to goose on the phone and we were talking about the uh future little pain that's coming into the world in a few months and uh, i was like well you know she i said something to the effect of oh you know amanda's got to take care of herself she's grown a little jedi and he goes, oh, no, man, he's a Sith through and through, my mind, Sith, all the way. And I said, dude, you saw how that worked out for Han Solo. I mean, I know Kylo's not technically a Sith. And he goes, oh, man, if that, he's got to do what he got to do, my mind. All right, Goose. Yeah, here's the Yahoo article. Kylo is the fastest rising name for American boys. I just don't know, dude. Like, I think that's a bad idea. I, You know... I, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, as, as far as the rumors that Jabba is going to be in Han Solo, like, it almost seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, you know, if not in this one, then in maybe one of the potential sequels, if this is a hit and goes over well with the audience. I'll say this, making Star Wars your leading uh, source for all news and rumors uh, related to the Star Wars universe has not reported on that as being factual. So typically that's how I go. Like once they report it, then like I feel pretty safe and being like, all right, yeah, job is going to be in it. Not saying just, that he's not by any means, but no, I'm just saying I've it's stuff I've seen news wise. There's also a rumor that, um, Palpatine's going to show up in rebel season four. <clears throat> I mean, so he's made little he's made at least one little appearance um i believe at the end of season 1 he you you sort of saw him from behind as a hologram or something and that's kind of what i assume that i you know if he is i doubt it's himself you know like i bet right you know ian mcdermott recry, you know re- re- records a couple well, lines for a hollow a hollow transmission or something um do i sound terrible will no jesse just keeps offering me fucking hot water and throat spray and stuff and it's got me all fucking neurotic now no i've just been sick ever since we got back from celebration i can't kick it it's probably fucking bird flu or the zika virus or something wow i don't know what's going on (coughs) so um you know, when he showed up in Rebels, Ian McDermott didn't do the voice. Sam Witwer did. So, uh, okay. I mean, not that they wouldn't try to get him back. They've been kind of good about that with Rebels, trying to get the original voice actors back. 
Mr. Uh, Mr. Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Force Unleashed guy. It, it would be. It would be very unethical, but I have a really fucked... I'll never tell it on the podcast because it just wouldn't be right, but I've got a fucked up story about Sam Witwer. Oh, no. Yeah, I think I've told it for, to you, but it, it has to I do think you have. when he was at Pensacon a couple of years back. Um, So, why don't we talk about some Star Wars Battlefront 2. Have you seen the trailer? I Yeah, I have. Looks pretty cool, man. Um, Looks awesome. So someone from EA this week came out and said that Battlefront 2 is going to launch with three times the amount of content that Battlefront 1 did. And Well, that'll be great because Battlefront 1... Now, I'm not saying it fell off, but it, you know, it came out and then I think they trickled out the DLC <clears throat> and then everybody just kind of got on to playing something else. Yeah, I mean, back in the day when we were kids, there were less triple A, quote unquote, titles that came out on a regular basis, it seemed like. Plus, you know, when you're a kid, you're at the mercy of your parents to buy or rent you a game. So, like, hell, um, even when I was in college, games right. weren't coming out like they are now. It doesn't seem like it, right? Like, it seems like I get a big game, and then, like, two months later, there's another equally as big game out, if that. You know, when I remember it gets playing to the, the same video game for a year. Oh yeah, you know, when, like when I got my my Xbox 360, I had the original Mass Effect and Halo Three, and that's the only games I needed f for the longest time. It felt like. Yeah. But nowadays, especially in the first-person shooter market, there's so much competition that they really got to come out of the gate strong to keep you interested. And I agree with you, like, I had a blast playing Battlefront when it came out two years ago. I loved it. But, you know, after two or three months, I started playing less and then less. I didn't play the first DLC pack. I didn't play the second DLC pack. I jumped on and checked out the third one because it was the Death Star and it had the new mode. But by that point, you have a lot of people who have only been playing Battlefront. And it's just a melee like a, a, a dying immediately and i'm not half bad at first person shooters i'm not like right. pro level um i'm really excited that they're doing a campaign for this one i am too that was you know they had like a can't it wasn't a campaign it was kind of like a horde mode a challenge mode yeah that's survival mode but that was not that was not a campaign that's something that uh i mean you can't really qualify that as a campaign i think i'm gonna use some it of this chloroseptic jesse's got me all fucking neurotic oh it doesn't even work drank it Ugh. make you numb to your guts okay do i sound better guys welcome <laughs> to blue harvest Just we went from death metal me... to smooth jazz mmm the Mariana Trench. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, did you get the gist of what the campaign is going to be sort of centered around from that uh, trailer? It's been a minute since I've seen the trailer. Remind me. You're playing as a female agent of Inferno Squad. 
Right. Which is an Imperial sort of commando squadron. It looks like the campaign is going to start at the end of Return of the Jedi. Because from the trailer, it looks like she is groundside watching as the second Death Star blows up. Yeah. So that in itself intrigues me. And people always bring up, oh, well, didn't they say that Battlefront 1 was canon? Yeah, they said that, but what the fuck was canon about it? Like, you can't, obviously, like, you, when people bring up this canon stuff, they got to use yeah, a like, little, like, common sense. Like, the millions of matches that pe- people played multiplayer are not canon. That doesn't what, matter. Yeah, what the fuck was canon about? There's two walkers on every single map. Like, you right. know, Han Solo fought Darth Vader one-on-one on Hoth. Like, you know, what the fuck is canon about any of that? The what the ele- quote-unquote canon elements of Star Wars Battlefront 1, I'll break them down for you. They're very, there's they're minimal at best. Anytime you go into a planet or into a match and it gives you the little color text, the little background text that says, you know, uh, there's an Imperial weapons facility on Jakku and the rebels are trying to take it from the Imperials. Like, that's canon, okay? Uh, that, the, <laughs> there, thus, it stops. Uh, the I would imagine that the, the appearance of Sullust, because, you know, we got Sullust in um, Battlefront. I would imagine that's considered canon. Um, and guys, that's probably about it. There was no story. So what can be canon? Stop bringing up, oh, but they said Battlefront is canon. Stop bringing it up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Me and Nelm fought <laughs> the Emperor on Solace? No. <laughs> right. Hold on one second, buddy. Okay, let me know if that happens again. All right. Will had a little mic trouble there for a second, but we got it fixed. Um, checking, checking the mic. So... If you want to know what's going to be canon with Battlefront 2, the campaign. That is all you need to worry about as far as canon goes, guys. That's it. I think we need to step back from this expectation that all media is needs to be or is going to be canonized. Now, I agree, but I also don't fault Star Wars fans for thinking that way. When they, when Lucasfilm specifically comes out and says, hey, we're getting rid of all this EU stuff, we're starting fresh, and from this point on, everything's canon. But, so, I just don't know, I mean, I know there's a lot of space in the, okay, so there's a lot of space in the universe for these stories to be told, but, like you said, you know, inevitably we're going to hit a Star Wars that's not good in our lifetime. That's going to happen, right? For sure. The more you include everything in canon, everything is canon. Every video game is canon. Every comic book is canon. Every every novel is canon. Like You're rolling the dice for things to be not good or for you to, to close off an avenue that you may, have, you may want to go down a couple years from now that you wrote yourself into a corner for. See, that's the thing, and, and I can't say for sure this it'll ha- that it'll happen, but I feel like it'll be kind of shitty when it does. Like, I get the feeling that, like you said, they might end up getting too much canon sort of jammed into these different periods, and at some point they're going to have to go, okay, no, really, this is canon, but this isn't, like this one comic it's or something like the de- that. That's the definition of retconning, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So in the future, they're going to have to retcon something when they want to make it new again. Or they're going to have to say, you know, only the things you can watch on a watchable medium are really canon. You know, everything else is canon, but the real, real canon are the watchable stories. And to be honest, they kind of do that anyway. Where, right. like, so a good example would be the novelization of the books as opposed to the actual movie. The novelizations of the books are canon unless it's contra- there's an unless unless it's contradicted by something in the movie. The movies and TV shows and stuff like that will always be the top tier of of canon. Like movies at top, then TV shows, then books and comics and things like that and then even below that fucking video games right so you just got to keep that in mind and not not hold so steadfast to this stuff because because that yeah i just think if the fan base can relax on some of that stuff they'll enjoy it more yeah for sure and i mean that's also not to say like you know i, I i'm at the point now where i don't read every star wars comic that comes out because they lost me they yeah. weren't that great. Uh, I I try to read all the books, but I'm behind on a couple of the books even because some of them have been great. Some of them have not been great. And, I mean, that's just the risk you take when you're producing that much content. That's true. Under the umbrella of Star Wars. Um, really stoked, though, that Battlefront 2 is going to contain, uh, contain prequel era and sequel era stuff. Oh, so am I. That's that's what I want, man. Like for a anything goes multiplayer shooter, I want to be able to be Darth Maul versus Yoda, or Darth Maul versus Han Solo, or you know, Asaz Ventress versus Mace Windu. Now that that makes me wonder. I doubt we see it in the base game where we get some of the animated characters, something tells me that Battlefront 2 will ship with only heroes and villains and stuff that we've seen in the movies. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got a animated Star Wars DLC pack where you get Savage Oppress or Asajj or um, Kanan or the Inquisitors or something like that. Savage Oppress. That's too far. That name is too far. It's, I mean, it's maybe one of the worst names in star wars it's it's bad i mean the character was cool the character was cool character anything else his last name could have been oppress if the first name wasn't savage like i don't know it's it's bad but on the other hand it's one of those things like it's one of the last little goofy things we got from george before he left like that's 100% a George Lucas thing. Savage Is it Oppress. really? I mean, he had a big hand in the Clone Wars. He was there in the trenches on the Clone Wars. So, And, you know, <laughs> you know, you, I just wonder that that meeting, you know, that creative meeting where he's like, yeah, yeah, Savage Oppress. And they're like, uh, uh, George, <coughs> you, uh, you sure about that one? Like, maybe, maybe there's another direction. You know, anybody got any other names? No, 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 no. So, Savage, Savage Opress. There's a couple of funny stories about George Lucas, right? When it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, I believe it was during the making of The Force Unleashed. 
and they were touring, toying around with actually making the apprentice a Sith and giving yeah. him a Darth name. So they went to George Lucas in one of the meetings and wanted to know his input on what the name could be or something like that. And you know what his suggestion was? What's that? Darth Icky. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. Now, this makes me wonder, is that George Lucas just fucking with those guys? And like telling is, like Is he just so butthurt about Jar Jar Banks he was like, Oh, 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 you didn't like Jar Jar? Well, how about this? Like if he's just throwing shit against the wall? I don't think it's that necessarily. Like, to me, like and this is just me maybe putting George up on a pedestal. Like he's like, No, you can't make this guy a Sith. At this point in the timeline, there's only Darth Vader and Darth Sidious. So he's trying to sabotage it from another Yeah, end. and being like, call him Darth Icky. Like, fucking with him. Like, there was this um, article a few years back where Seth Rogen was talking about the time he met George Lucas. And George Lucas was talking about how the world was going to end on twenty, you know, December 21st, 2012. And that all this other, you know, sort of aliens were coming and shit like that. And it makes me wonder as, like... Clearly, George is a little eccentric. I think we can right. all safely say that. But is he also maybe just fucking with people when he says these type of things? <laughs> I'd like to I think got, so. I hope so. Man, I hope so. And another one was, so, you know, at one point, there was a team working on sort of a Batman Arkham Knight Arkham City style game, but with Darth Maul as the protagonist. And in one of the creative meetings, there was a statue of Darth Maul and there was a statue of Darth Talon. If you're not familiar with Darth Talon, she was a Twi'lek Sith Lord from the Star Wars Legacy comics, which, you know, takes place like 500 years or something after Return of the Jedi, maybe even okay. further. <laughs> but you've probably seen her. She's she's red, and she's got uh, like a skimpy outfit on, and she's got maybe some black tattoo. Kind yes, of she's got yeah. very Darth Maul inspired tattoos all over. And they said, and, and George Lucas was like, he took the two statues and put them together, and he was like, "Look, they're friends. They should be friends in this game." From two like from hundreds of years apart, he's like saying. You guys should put these two characters in the game together. And they're like, we can't fucking do that. They're not in the same time era or whatever. Um, so, man, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for some of these meetings with George Lucas. Like, Savage Oppressed, Darth Icky. <laughs> Things like that. I think it would disappoint you. I mean, we mm -hmm. have such... Absolutely, it wouldn't. You know why it wouldn't disappoint me? Because the older I've gotten and the more I've learned about George Lucas, his weird little eccentricities are what make me like him even more. Like, he's a weird guy. And I dig that. He likes what he likes. And he does what he wants, man. Like I guess that's true. If, if, if we could go I, into I... an alternate dimension... And see George Lucas's version of Episode Seven, I would do it in a heartbeat, because you know there would have been something fucking weird in there, man. And I'm not gonna lie, I I feel like after a little while, 
those weird little George Lucas touches, we're going to start to miss them. I I don't know, man. And I, I love you and I love George, but I don't know if we're going to miss those weird little George things. I already do. I mean, look, am I saying I wanted an episode seven that was more like Attack of the Clones? Because I watched Absolutely Attack of not. the Clones on May the 4th, and I'm trying to think about how much of that shit I'm, like, missing. <coughs> Coming uh, up blank. You're too you're too hard on George. You watched People vs. George Lucas once and got a hard on for I did George. not. Like, I, I don't even believe all, what all those people said about George. Like, I hate I feel bad movie. that they... I feel bad that the people turn on George Lucas so hard about the prequels. Like, I have, res- you know, my- I have respect for them because that's his story. You know, Star Wars is his story, and I respect it because that's the way he wants to tell that story. It's, it's, and because I was so young when I saw them, I instantly idolized everything about him. And me and my dad and and my dad's partner, like. We would watch them all the time. You know, they loved them because it was the next Star Wars. And then the older I got, I don't know when it dawned on me, but, you know, sometimes towards the end of high school or college, like, I was watching it by myself, or, and I was like, oh, this is not, I'm looking around, and I'm like, this isn't good. Like, the whole, they are you know, good. the... They are the, good, goddammit. The romantic scene between Padme, okay, those are you bad. know, he falls off the giant tick. And he's like, I That's don't bad. like sand. It gets everywhere. And, like, and I was okay. like, like something about this. I feel like I need an adult. Like I, something is crawling inside my skin right now. Like I don't know. And I'm fighting it. I'm like, no, this is good. This is good. But it comes right back up. This is not good. Like, okay. So you got to keep in mind that we are talking about what, in my opinion, at least, is the weakest Star Wars movie. So not the best example, especially of the prequels. But to me, like, would I rather watch a Star Wars prequel than one of those fucking Hobbit movies? And I don't mean the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean the Hobbit movies. Which You don't like those that much? I, I would rather watch Attack of the Clones than one of those Hobbit movies. Mm. I just don't like them, man. I feel like... Eh, we could have a whole podcast about what I think about those Hobbit movies, but... I feel like they took a story, a simple, solid story, and bloated it up unnecessarily. Like, if uh, you want to do The Hobbit totally in, right. in two movies, I can see two movies. Three movies, okay. and having one fucking handsome dwarf, and just because he's got to be the dwarf that like gets Kate from Lost's attention, and like... All the other dwarfs look like normal dwarfs, but there's two handsome dwarfs. Mm. Mm. Yeah, don't get me started. It's all in, and funny enough, you know, Attack of the Clones being the second prequel movie, the the stuff that upsets me so in those Hobbit movies is in the second movie. You know, having Legolas and Tariel, none of that is necessary. Absolutely none of that is necessary. Like, was not in the Hobbit. You know, they're looking for filler. They That's totally filler. And, uh, you know, but back to Star Wars, you know, like I get, I get what you're saying. <coughs> okay. What you're saying. And I know at some point we may, we may miss those quirky George touches, but I'm not going to miss that dialogue where it's like, I told you to stay away from power couplings. Like, okay. I didn't say dialogue. The alien driving across like, what the? 
like I, you know, no. Oh, I like I'm that little gonna... uh, that little alien that turns around and is like, "What the fuck was that?" To me, that's the best part of that not so great action sequence. I mean, the action in that scene is good when they're getting chased through course. Are they chasing Zam Wessel from Coruscant? It looks great. I, th- I thought the action was good, but the dialogue that's that's something I, I'll I'll say like I don't know that I'll ever be like you know what I miss George Lucas dialogue. I don't Master see that. Obi Wan holding me back. Yeah, fair. It was it was nice to see old Hayden get such a nice reception at celebration. He deserves it. You know I'm. I know he gets called mannequin Skywalker, and that's not fair. Because you know, in 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 defense of him, from what Mark Hamill said, you know, all you know since 1977, you know, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. You know. Uh, fair enough. That's probably hard to act that dialogue. Oh, for sure. So uh, you want to jump into some voicemails and some emails? We got a bunch. Yes, I had one last Star Wars news thing that just okay. popped into my brain. Apparently, they were before Disney bought Star Wars. They were making a Call of Duty style first person shooter Star Wars that got scratched. But apparently, you can download it and play <coughs> the unfinished version of it. And, you know, from what people say, it's it not bad. Like, yeah, it, it I, wasn't finished, but if I you have a PC or an Xbox, people say you can download it. I can't, I'm not sure from where. I'm not going to encourage illegal activity, but the I, article I read said that it, it, you know, wasn't really bad at all. I can't remember what it was supposed to be called, but it was supposed to be the first sort of soft entry in a new battlefront. It was going to be. I don't think there was going to be three or something. Yeah, I don't think it was going to be called Battlefront Three. It had a, its own specific, like Star Wars Assault or something, or Assault Strike or something like that. And it was going to be uh, a digital title only. So, like you know, like an Xbox Live Arcade download, a PlayStation Network download, and it was just going to be multiplayer, no vehicles, just first-person shooting. I've seen some of the the footage and stuff and yeah it doesn't look half bad but i i can't see it have been like anything groundbreaking i think from what i understand it was going to be what they put out there to sort of judge interest and get people interested in a battlefront three um but interesting that people have found the code and sort of restored it as much as possible so uh let's get this uh email segment kicked off hell yeah as we kick off every email segment. You know it. Cockhead! 
You know you're a moisture farmer when you find yourself headbanging and air guitaring <laughs> to riding the Kia D cockhead lightning. All right. So first up, we've got a voicemail from Ollie, <coughs> which I unfortunately forgot to play last week, but it's congratulating us on two years. But I told him I'd make sure and uh, get him this week. So this is from Ollie. What's up, moisture farmers of Blue Harvest? Uh, it's your boy, Ollie. Uh, I just want to drop you a legit voicemail today because I saw on Twitter that it's your two-year anniversary. And I just wanted to, you know, wish you, both you, Hawes, and you, Will, a uh, happy May 4th. And may the 4th be with you and also with you, I guess. And I uh, just wanted to say it's been a pleasure listening to you guys. And I thoroughly enjoy your show, and we need some more, you know, food talk by Will, because, quite frankly, I love when he describes how you do certain things with food. It's like food porn. Will is like the friggin' Peter North of Star Wars podcasting. Oh, drop it low. Anyway, guys, uh, just wanted to say hello, and um, hope you have a great show. All right, Peter. Peter North of Star Wars Podcasting. That's Those are some big underwear to fill. <laughs> you got um, anything for our buddy Ollie? You got a recipe you can drop on Ollie and the good listeners? A little cooking with Will? You know, I've been watching a lot of Vice. And, like, you know, they have a lot of chef stuff on there. And I was thinking about if I were to open a restaurant, what I would do. And um, I think I would try to make some kick-ass cornbread. You know, I think being from Mississippi and Alabama, a lot of Southern flavors are very representative of the food down here. Lots of barbecue, lots of, you know, home-cooked grandma-style meals. But I think, you know, one of the things about food around the world, if you go to other countries, they pick one thing and they do it really well. You know, you know in Thailand, you know, one shop just does roasted chicken. That's all they do. They roast chicken. And they're the fucking best in the world at roasting chicken. So, you know, you pick one thing and do it well. If I wanted to have a signature, it would be like a cornbread kind of dish. But I don't know how I would pull this off. But this, is, this isn't how to tell you to do something. This is more along the lines of food fantasy porn. Oh, so basically... But, we're seeing a, we're seeing into the mind of Chef Will. Yeah. We're seeing if, the first steps in the process. If I could do some sort of puffy cornbread souffle, and I'm not sure with a corn flour how I could get it to rise like that, but if it was possible, it'd be awesome. And then the bottom could be like bacon and corn and maybe some jalapeno. And as you ate the corn souffle, there would be nice little surprises in there. Like, I think that would be great. Right on. Um, okay. Speaking of regional and, and like, you know, food special to different countries, there's this item of food that I first heard about on an episode of Steel Wars with Angus Truscott as the guest. And he mentioned That's quite something. That's a name. That's a Star Wars name. He worked, uh, he worked on Attack of the Clones. He was like a, what do they call it? Uh, they've got a special term for it. When he was a kid, he did like basically intern work on Attack right. of the Clones. Um, a sausage roll. So he mentioned this thing that they had at catering called a sausage roll. And then, uh, and different times on 
Steel Wars and, and stuff like that and other Australian guests I hear on podcasts, I hear them talk about sausage rolls. I have asked Steel, I've asked our buddy Ben, I've asked a co- other couple of people from Australia, what is a sausage roll? I gotta know. I love rolls. I love sausage. What, what's the deal with the sausage roll? And it's like some nas- like some national secret that they keep from me. Every time I ask, they're just like, oh, it's great. No, they're amazing. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, that's just, they're that, not going to tell you. That doesn't tell me what a sausage roll is. I got to find out. All right. Next up, we've got uh, an email from our buddy Neil. Halls and Will. I don't know if you remember my first email, but it was in relation to Yoda training Obi-Wan to commune with Qui-Gon. I finally watched through all of Clone Wars and understand now what Yoda was talking about. It's almost as if Qui-Gon learned an early version of the Force Ghost skill that Yoda and Obi-Wan then take further. As a side note, Clone Wars was an amazing show. I will now have to watch Rebels as a follow-up. In any case, I wanted to thank you for continuing to read and answer my emails. I also had a question. I have been thinking of starting a podcast purely about Star Wars video games. My thought was to pick a game game each week, discuss it, and then answer any questions people have. What do you think? That sounds fucking badass to me, buddy. I'd listen to it. Hell yeah, I'd listen. Um, And the way you should think about the Yoda and Qui-Gon thing is Qui-Gon had the tools but wasn't able to implement them before he died. The difference is Yoda and Obi-Wan were able to do that before they died. That's why they can, like, it wasn't until after he died and became one with the Force that Qui-Gon was able to use whatever power to communicate with people that were still alive. Obi-Wan and Yoda were taught by Qui-Gon to how to do that, so they knew when they died... Does that am I making sense? Well, I feel like I'm not really. Yeah, no. I mean, you can use the way they died as the way their bodies disappeared as kind of the example. Qui Gon, right. well, which is unfair because <coughs> Anakin is, I guess, grandfathered in as far as that goes, because well, you know, Mace Mace Windu was burned on a pyre, Viking funeral wise, uh, but Yoda. Hey, baby. You know, like I, I, I had this idea. Yeah, I don't know if this is exactly what it was, but I had this idea that, you know, you being so in in tuned and so knowledgeable of the force that your being instantly merges with the force. Your physical form becomes one with the force. You see Yoda do that upon his death. You see uh, Obi Wan Kenobi do that on his death. You didn't see Qui Gon do that, and you didn't see Anakin do that. But Anakin kind of got grandfathered in. He died a Viking fun- death, you know. He got his death on a. F- he got his, <coughs> not death. He he died. Kind of like, Qui Gon Jinn. You know, he just yeah. gave up the ghost. Well, <laughs> so what was burned on the pyre? So I've heard a couple of explanations on how that is that Anakin is able to appear as a Force ghost. One of them being that when he died, Obi Wan and Yoda did something to help him. Right. They brought him over. And I think that is always a component of it. Another thing that I've heard, and I believe this is something Dave Filoni said, is that Anakin, through his research, Anakin slash Vader, sort of figured it out, but couldn't really figure it out. 
when he was dark side when he was a Sith. But then he at the didn't moment, have anyone to talk to. Well, that and because he's a Sith. The Sith are more consumed with prolonging their physical life and not their ethereal life after death or whatever. It's not like he could, you know, call up Darth Plagueis. Right. Um, And I think Dave Filoni sort of explained, like, you know, he sort of knew how to do it. He had an idea and then sort of had an epiphany when he went back to the light side um, following, you know, throwing the emperor down that fucking hole. Uh, so channels channels that were once closed were now open, open to him. And then you combine that with Obi-Wan and Yoda helping him out and bada bing, bada boom, you got force ghost Anakin. Right. So next up we have a Richie from Boston Halls and will. I wanted to continue my speculation over the last Jedi this week In last week's email. I had addressed several things that I wanted to see in the new movie. As you know, I always try my best to try to draw connections between the Star Wars universe and our own history, given the fact that Star Wars draws so heavily from our own human history and mythology. This week, I am especially fascinated by the story of Kylo Ren. I've listened to a lot of speculation about what his potential story arc could be, and I wanted to add my own two cents on the new generation's only confirmed Skywalker. Lately, I've been reading a lot about generational shifts and how children who have a hard time latching on to their parents tend to identify more with their grandparents. It's pretty evident that this is Kylo's story, but how can we speculate on his trajectory? trajectory? Well, I don't think it's impossible for him to be redeemed. I also don't think it's likely. That would be lazy storytelling. This trilogy, in my opinion, needs to be about the tragedy of Kylo Ren, much like the prequel trilogy focused on Anakin's tragic tale. Have you noticed Ryan Johnson's new placement of Kylo's scar? The parallels are already being drawn. For me, the only way Kylo's story becomes interesting is if he grows much stronger in the Force than he already is. Because of Rey's existence in this trilogy, the only way Kylo accomplishes this is by delving deeper into the dark side. There are a couple of things that I'd like to see. The how of the situation and the outcome. As I've said on other shows, we need more depth out of Kylo. It's no longer enough for him to be a whiny bitch. He needs layers. What if he's crazy? Lucasfilm has laid some pretty interesting groundwork in developing Darth Vader's castle. Who's to say that it doesn't exist in the current trilogy? It is, after all, where Jedi go to die. Perhaps we can see Kylo Ren living in his grandfather's castle and bathing in the Bacta tank. You know that scene in Revenge of the Sith where they show Anakin on Mustafar standing there with a tear running down his cheek? It would be pretty fucking poetic to see Kylo Ren doing the same thing as he himself delves further into the dark side. I see two strong possibilities for where this takes Kylo. Revenge of the Sith always made me wonder what the universe would have been like had Anakin not failed in his fight against Obi-Wan. Imagine, for a second, a fully human Sith Lord Vader. Perhaps in his dark side journey, Kylo loses the mask altogether, and it is his destiny, destiny to become that fully dark side Skywalker. Maybe that's why we see that burning discarded helmet. The other possibility is purely fanfic and highly unlikely. Imagine for a second if Kylo Ren dons the suit 
either because injury has forced him to do so or he chooses to do so. The only reason I say this is because I still believe that Disney wants Darth Vader. They want the imagery, the sales, everything. It also leaves a slight opening in the door for redemption in later movies or a fourth trilogy. Again, I think this is highly unlikely and kind of stupid, but I had to say it. Ultimately, I think this redemption is a long shot for Kylo. This trilogy doesn't have to end on a positive note, wrapping the saga up with a bow like the original trilogy did. Could Kylo become be the one to resurrect the Sith? Could Kylo become the new leader of the First Order? A new emperor? I think it's going to be fascinating to see his trajectory. Whatever it is. What do you guys think? Richie from Boston. I think that's pretty well thought out, Richie. I'm going to let Will take this so I can rest my voice for a second. That is well thought out, and you've got some good points. And now I'm going to totally flip-flop and play devil's advocate here because usually I'm right there with you. You know, I don't think Kylo can be redeemed. I, you know, I, I like exactly what you said. I want to see some more depth of his character instead of being a whiny bitch. I talked about that last time. I really want to see a confident, evil Kylo Ren. You know, if you're going to go one way with, you know, I was like, go one way or the other, like lean back towards redemption or totally sink into darkness completely. Now, the fact that he is a solo and a Skywalker, I think, you know, and from what we know about the Sith, they are a perversion. They're a, a virus of the Force. So I don't believe that the Sith is anyone's destiny. You know, I believe people's destiny are separate from the Sith. So, And I believe that people that fall to the Sith fall prey to the temptation. And for once, you know, I'm so conflicted because the story of Darth Vader, like how more evil can you get? But I believe the story of Darth Vader and his inevitable redemption is a prelude to what's going to happen to Kylo Ren. As much as I've been fighting Hawes, the more <laughs> I've been thinking about it lately, he's going he's gonna to have, at some point, they're going to redeem him. You know, how they do it's going ha- to be maybe a big problem for me, but it's probably, I've accepted that it's probably inevitable at this point. Now, I didn't realize that um, Vader's castle was where Jedi go to die. I didn't think he took him. I didn't think he took his work home with him. But well, they um, they say in Rebels, uh, there's a episode towards the end of the first season where they're sort of in orbit around Mustafar, and uh, like I think it's Kanan or may, no, maybe even Hera who says, you know, I've heard rumors about Mustafar. They say it's where Jedi go to die. So I think. I don't think like Vader necessarily takes Jedi there. All the Jedi he captures or kills are there. Uh, but I do think maybe he takes them there to torture them and get information on maybe other Jedi that are out there hiding or something yeah. like that. Okay. Well, I do think it, it I don't think he's going to put on the suit. He'd have a suit of his own. You know, I think all he has is the burn-up helmet. I don't think anything else survived. Um but I, I was just thinking about this as I was listening to your email. I was thinking, you know, it, it would seem that Snoke has played on his reverence of his grandfather to speak to him somehow in some, in some perverse manner. It would be interesting to see Anakin's actual form speak to him in a dream, pulling him the other way, I think. Like, if Kylo Ren has a dream and it's actually Anakin you know, Hayden Christensen, Anakin, 
Yeah. Telling him he's been lied to and tell, you know, just kind of trying to lead him back in the right direction. Yeah. And I know we talked about the whole canon status of the novels, but there is a part in the Force Awakens novel where Snoke is talking to Kylo and he's like, what was the only mistake your grandfather ever made? And Kylo's answer is basically turning back towards the light. Now, is that taken into effect with any of the stories going forward? I don't know. But if it is, that gives you a little sort of glimpse into the way Kylo's thinking. I'm with you. I don't think he'll necessarily be in a full on like Darth Vader get up. But I do like the idea of over this movie and the next movie becoming increasingly more like Darth Vader. We've already seen little glimpses of Kylo in some of the artwork for Battlefield or Battlefront 2. And he's got like a, a Darth Vader cape thing going on in this. So I could see him becoming closer to that look, but I don't think we'll ever see him in the full-on Darth Vader getup. I'm trying to remember his wounds from Force Awakens because I guess it's been a, a couple months since I've watched it. I, I should go watch it. But um, I don't remember there being a significant wound. No, they're all pretty... Um, superficial you know, superficial wounds yeah that would have needed a suit for <laughs> no because, i don't i don't think you know it's... i've seen obi-wan you know count dooku dished out some of those superficial wounds to obi-wan and he recovered just fine obviously no i i don't think richie's even saying anything that happened to him in the force awakens but you know something, something could happen something else could happen to him in eight no, and no, you know yeah. um but I, I i do like the idea of him coming closer and closer to Darth Vader, especially because I've always loved the concept that they they do in Star Wars sometimes where if you're a Sith or you're, you know, a dark side user, it begins to have an effect on your physical appearance. Right. And which that didn't which happened to Palpatine all at once. Like <clears throat> Yeah, well see that's that's something Dark that, Side Karma came back like a bitch. Yeah, well exactly. And it was always something you know, they sort of had to get rid of this explanation, but in the EU, before Revenge of the Sith came out, it was always that, that that he looked like that because of how powerful he was in the dark side and how much he used his Sith powers and stuff. And that didn't really turn out to be the case in Revenge of the Sith. You know, I've heard some people say, oh, well, he always looked that like that. It was just some sort of Sith facade that made him look like a normal dude. And when... Um, Mace Windu, you know, reflected that lightning back at him. It, you know, broke that power, and we saw him for what he really was. But I don't I, think so. I don't think so. I think it's pretty I, clear that, like, you know, I think Lord Sidious liked playing the game the way he did. He liked playing his cards the way he did. He liked pulling those puppet strings setting up the gambit years and you know he liked that whole mastermind behind the scene yeah and 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 if you're not physically asserting your power you know if you're just evilly meditating and then pulling the string it would make sense that nothing would take toll on your physical form like i think anakin started down that road hardcore instantly and it i mean that dark side karma fucked him up yeah so, uh, next up, we got our buddy Dean from Australia. Hey, Dean, what's a fucking sausage roll? 
I just looked it up, by the way. What is it? Uh, It's basically like puff pastry outside and creamy sausage on the inside and spices. So like a little cream, sausage, some paprika. You know, there are different spices that go with your sausage on the inside. But it's cooked cooked ground sausage, little cream. And on the outside, it's like puff pastry. And they're just like little rolls, like little mini Hot Pockets. Like little... uh, Cocktail weenie size. <clears throat> that sounds delicious. Hawes and Will, Dean from Australia here. I just wanted to pick up on what Richie was saying last week in his email to you about The Last Jedi and Luke Skywalker's exile. It's simple to point to the influence of Snoke as a catalyst for the turn of Ben Organa slash Solo to Kylo Ren, but I can't help but wonder if there was something more elemental between Luke and Ben that preceded the fracture. The feel I get from the Last Jedi trainer trailer is that Luke is utterly broken. Now, one could argue that it's simply because Snoke pulled Ben away from him, but I suspe- suspect the seeds of darkness in Ben were already there, and Snoke's influence came as extension. He took advantage of an already bad sip- situation. Luke simply lost Ben to Snoke. If Luke simply lost Ben to Snoke, wouldn't he be pissed enough to want to try and save him? Or was Ben already too far gone before Snoke was even a factor, and Luke blames himself for that? It's just something I've been kicking around. Oh, and by the way, that whole Kylo Ray mind-reading scene? You reckon Kylo was getting tips from a boar gullet relative? <laughs> Cheers, boys. Dean from Australia. <clears throat> so, I don't know where I got this from, but I feel like it's been mentioned in something that Han and Leia sent Kylo off to live with Luke or to be with Luke because he was having some issues. So I think the darkness in Kylo was already there. And I think or if not the darkness, at least the rebellion. Right. And and I think maybe the anger or the hate or the fear, you know, any of these elements that lead to the dark side, there was a strong component of that in Kylo. And I think, you know, I've said it before, like, you got to think that if you think in the mind of these characters, Luke is off trying to rebuild the Jedi Order, and part of that is is you got to think about, like, well, who's going to take this on when I'm gone? And you got to imagine that when Kylo is born, or Ben is born, that you think, well, he's it. He is the future of the Jedi Order. <clears throat> and I think... Luke is broken, and I don't think it was necessarily that just Snoke swept in and, you know, took Kylo from him. I think that Snoke swept in, you know, and used Kylo's weaknesses against him to turn him, and then he wiped out who knows how many people. We don't even really know how big Luke's Jedi Order was at the time that Kylo wiped him out. And I think that did break Luke, and I think he left for that reason. But I also feel like that Luke isn't just twiddling his thumbs on Octu. I think he has some sort of mission or plan. I think he's looking for answers of some sort. I don't think he's just waiting out the end of his days on Octu. That's just my personal belief. So I think maybe he did get pissed enough that he's trying to do something about it. 
and he's just looking for the answers to how to put an end to this. Um, and I'm pretty interested to see where that goes. What do you think, Will? I believe, I do, and I don't know, you know, I don't have any reason to believe this. It may be Luke's, the look on Luke's face when you just see it for that moment in The Force Awakens, his total disappearance, his lack of communication with anyone, his grief seems total. <coughs> Luke does seem broken, but he seems consumed by his grief. And now, I mean, maybe all of it, you know, and I don't know if that's the grief of losing the entire Jedi Order, those innocents that were lost, the grief of losing his nephew to the dark side. Like, I'm sure that compounds. And, you know, I don't, like you said, I'm not sure what his plan is to go to, you know, I think he's looking for a way to either save Kylo Ren or incapacitate him. Yeah. You know, in, in his search, you know, I think he's hoping to find answers. And I don't know that he knows what those answers are, but in in searching for the first Jedi Temple, it would seem that he was looking for the answer to something. Hmm. All right. I think you're, I think you're on to something. Uh, next up, we got our buddy Peter. All right, fellas. What are your thoughts on why Ray is looking so angry while rushing at, who we can only imagine is Kylo, as picked pictured in the previous scene pointing his saber in what may be one of his most intimidating poses so far. Ray looks furious while sprinting f- towards him. Trust me, I've got two preteen daughters who would terrify me if I saw them look at me like that. I'd take my chance of surviving a charging grizzly bear at that point. <clears throat> I know I may have to go into witness protection for this, but I think she just saw Kylo cut down Luke who was telling him how sorry he is for not telling him that Darth Vader was his grandfather. Oh, you're breaking my heart, Peter. This would be the second person that Ray has gotten close to that Kylo has killed in front of her while she's been powerless to stop it and another reason for her to hate Kylo. What would be like what would also be amazing if it's the same thing that happened to Obi-Wan happens to Luke and he just disappears turning into a Force ghost. That way, he'd still be with Rey and able to guide her. I know this might be lazy storytelling, but I'm not sure what else could be what it could be unless Rey is still that mad about Finn almost being sliced in half the last time they met. I mean, I know the ladies can hold grudges, but come on. <laughs> it's been a while since I've listened. Been busy, busy with three kids, but trust me when I say that listening to your podcast makes me feel like I'm hanging out with some old friends. Keep killing it, guys. Well, thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening, first of all. <clears throat> Who knows? I'm going to say that I don't think the two scenes of Kylo pointing his saber and Rey running are connected in the final movie. For one, if you look behind Kylo, there looks to be like fire or the lighting in the two looks different to me. I could be wrong. Um, To me, that scene feels like it could be... I want to say maybe it it could be just a training scene of Rey... But like you said, she's got an awfully pissed off look on her face if it's just training. Um, now, go for it, buddy. I, I was going to say, I don't think Ray has learned to master her anger, her rage. Um, just because, well, I guess that's not fair to say because there are certain parts in The Force Awakens where you're like, wow, she's, 
you know, talk about fear and anger. But, you know, she hasn't had a mentor. You know, she's still green. But, I, you know, she's... <clears throat> when she comes back and whips Kylo's ass, it's because she calmed and quieted her mind that she found her center. And that's what Maz Kanata was trying to tell her. And, you know, in, in that one brief moment in the last Jedi trailer, that's what Luke is telling her. Like, he's telling her to calm, you know, calm your mind. Be calm. And I think... I think that's something that she may not struggle with, but not not to tap into her rage or her hatred or well, yeah, any of those emotions. Like I don't she's think, still green as far as a Jedi goes in that respect. I don't think saying that it's something she may struggle with is out of line. That seems like a pretty typical thing because, for him to do is have her struggle. And I, again, like I think that's a double standard, though, just because the look on her face, like... You know, Obi-Wan has a pretty anguished looks on his face when he's fighting Grievous and even when he's fighting Anakin, you know. Well, but... he's got a pissed off look when he's fighting Darth Maul. And I, I think you might even be able to say that maybe he was towing the line of the dark side then. He looks real angry. Yeah. He looks real angry. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Next and... up. No, go ahead. I was going to say Luke as well in his final confrontation with Vader. He was, you know, he wasn't calm, calm faced. And the Emperor even told him, I can fear, I can feel, you know, I can feel your anger rising in you. That is true. Well, next up, we've got a voicemail from uh, royalty King Tom himself. This is what he has to say. Hey, Hoswell, King Tom here. I'm voicemailing in this week. I know I said congratulations on the two-year thing last week, but 100 episodes is an accomplishment that you guys should be proud of, that I'm proud of for you guys, uh, because it shows not only do you have the longevity, but you've been here pretty much every week giving us um, moisture form. is a quality, great podcast, and... I can't thank you enough. I love the show you guys um, put on. I love that it gives me an opportunity to um, help get out the reasons why Kitty Mundy is the biggest idiot in the whole galaxy. Um, but also, I just love the community that you guys have helped create. Um, I've been a Star Wars fan all my life, and I think for a number of reasons, this is my favorite time to be a Star Wars fan because we've got some great movies because I can share them with my kids, but also because of the friends I've made. Not just you guys, but, you know, the other guys talk with on Twitter, other moisture farmers. I, I want to name everyone, but I know I'd forget someone, and um, I would really hate that just because there are so many great listeners that I know because you guys in your insanity, in your wonderful insanity, have brought us all together. Um you know, it's 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 great knowing both Hawes and Will talking Lost and Star Wars and everything else with Hawes and cooking tips from Will. Um, the time I was on the show, that was definitely a highlight. Um, I can just gush on and on. In uh, congratulations for you guys, and I'm you know proud of everything you've accomplished with Blue Harvest. So, thank you for being there, for being there for us, for giving us this outlet, for giving us something great to listen to. Um, and I you know can't wait for the next hundred or two hundred, three hundred, however many more you guys have in you. Um, thanks a lot, and may the force be with you guys. Oh, thanks, buddy. That was real nice. 
Yeah, Thank man. Thank you for I'm, being part of the family. Yeah, no doubt, King Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, and I got to agree with him. Like, this is, to me, the best time to be a Star Wars fan. Like, yeah, maybe the comics aren't doing it for me now. Maybe the books aren't doing it for me now. But Star Wars is moving forward <clears throat> at such a, a, a quick pace. And we're getting such good stuff from Star Wars that it's and, and we don't have any end in sight. Like, it was great being around for the prequels. I was so excited and I loved every minute of it in between the movies and stuff. But we had three-year waits in between the movies and there was a definite end in sight where we were told, nah, there will not be anything after this. So, to me, it's so exciting because... On one hand, I have no idea where they're going to go next, what they're going to do next, and that's exciting. And on the other hand, it's like all open-ended. Like, they can really do anything they want up to a certain point. And just like King Tom said, like, I was fairly active in the quote-unquote Star Wars community during the prequel era. I never really got into the message board thing. Because a lot of times people were just sort of elitist dicks Haters. On, on the message boards and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I just never felt comfortable with it. But since starting the podcast, since interacting with all our friends and extended Blue Harvest family on Twitter and through the emails and voice messages and all the cool people we've met and listeners that have reached out, like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I have a secondary family in my Star Wars family and like it's it's just a lot of fun it's just a lot of fun and I'm, I'll tell you what I'm gonna keep doing Blue Harvest until people as long as people keep listening I'm gonna keep at it no the party goes to question marks the party goes to question marks son <clears throat> all right so next up we've got uh <laughs> A voicemail from our lovable little scamp, Soars Bandeem. Man, I'm fucking this all up. Soars Bandeem. You bloody monks. Hello, this is Soars Bandeem, and I'm back. I'll cut right to the chase this week. I heard what you said, Kia D Monday. I'm a little bitch, am I? Well, let me ask you this. Is it true that when you were born, the doctor took one look at you and slapped your mother right across the face? Because that's what I've been hearing, <coughs> K.U.D. Now, you're probably wondering what's all the hostility about when it comes to K.U.D. Monday and Kit Fisto. Well, let me tell you. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Hello? Who? Yeah, speaking. No, I, no, no, no. No, I haven't been involved in an accident in the last three years. <clears throat> Don't call here again. If you call here again... I'm going to fucking stab you in the heart with a pencil. Do you hear me, son? Now, fuck off. Oh, I'm terribly <laughs> sorry about that. It's very unprofessional. 
very unprofessional. Now, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, Kitty and Kit Fisto. So these two fucking Muppets are partly responsible for what happened to me. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> who, the, who the fucking... Hello? This better be important. What? No, no, I don't... No, no, I don't want to save any money on my energy bills, all right? I'm not, I'm not interested. Do you have any idea how fucking busy I am? Do you? I've got a to-do list longer than a Leonard Cohen song, and I don't need you fucking ringing me. Do you understand? Well, no, you clearly don't understand, do you? Let me spell this out to you. You're so dense, the fucking light bends around you, all right? <laughs> now, fuck off. <sighs> Some people, eh? Now, Kitty and Kifisto. Now, I'm going to tell you why these two Muppets don't know the difference between a sneeze and a wet fart. Oh, fucking hell. What? Who is this? No, no. I haven't been missold any PPI. How did you get this number? What do you mean a referral? From who? A Mr. K. Fisto. Fisto! <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you. When I catch up with you, you're gonna regret the day you were fucking born. Do you hear me, Fisto? Uh, uh. Well, anyway, congratulations, boys, on 100 episodes from your old friend, Sauce Bandy. Ta-ra, you bunch of mugs. I have one question after that voicemail. How come Source Bandim doesn't have like a fucky, a fucking fancy space phone? He's, it sounds like he's getting a phone call on a rotary phone. I I can only imagine by the way he sounds, he probably leads a less than reputable life and uh, doesn't need to be on the grid. So oh, maybe he keeps it old school with the rotary phone. Yeah, he's living off the grid. Okay, all right. That's the only answer I need. <laughs> I think it's funny. The Kit Fisto signed him up for a bunch of uh, spam phone calls. That's <laughs> right? dirty. What a, That's what dirty. a dick. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have an email from our good buddy, Evan DeCellis. Master artwork maker. Artist. That's what they call him. Not artwork maker. The fuck? Artiste supreme. Artiste supreme, Evan DeCellis. Halls. Will. You guys have officially made it to your 100th episode. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you both for your dedication to this show that has brought me so many laughs over these last two years. I'll never forget following this podcast just as you posted episode three, Snoke em if you got em. I've never looked back since. You both are responsible for making my dream of appearing on a Star Wars podcast come true not once, 
but twice. You also allowed me the chance and pleasure to create several shirts and a logo for your podcast. I'll always be thankful for that. In lieu of this anniversary, I wanted to bring back something we haven't done in a while. I'll think you'll know it as soon as you see it. Oh, yeah, I know this shit. So we just got to say yes or no, okay? Are you ready? I'm ready. Octu will be the only planet Luke is on from the beginning to the end of The Last Jedi. Yes. No. No. You say no. I say yes. Okay. Finn will meet Luke at some point in The Last Jedi. No. No. Ray will reveal to Luke that Han has died if Luke doesn't know at this point. Yes. Mm, yes. Throughout The Last Jedi, Luke's saber, green, will not ignite once. Full- no. Uh, so you don't think it will? I, I think it will. Okay. For my buddy Steele, I am going to say yes. And I say that like, oh, I'm just putting it off on steel. No, I want it to. I want it to. I want to see it. I got to <laughs> see it. The Force Awakens will still be the highest grossing Star Wars film in the year 2025. I say yes. The, the Force Awakens will be the highest grossing? Yes. In 2025? Yes. Eight and nine will be out by then? Yes. Will there be 10 out by then? I mean, they haven't said... I would hope so, but they have not said. Oh, I'm going to say no. You're going to say it's not. Okay. Nope. I'll say there will be another one more successful. Disney will release a 4K nine-film saga set of episodes one through nine within two years of episode nine's completion. I'm going to say yes. Within two years of nine's completion. I'm going to say no. Mm. The next standalone film set for 2020 will be neither a Boba Fett or Obi-Wan film. I'm going to say yes, it'll be neither of those. Unfortunately and begrudgingly, I'll say yes. Yep, same here. Even if it's not plot-centric, R2 and 3PO will be placed somewhere in each future Star Wars film to keep their appearance streak alive. I'm going to say no, but only because of the Han Solo movie. No, if we're talking, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I, I just, I don't want them to continually wedge them into movies. I love seeing C three PO and R two. I felt like you probably didn't recognize me because of the red arm. Mm-hmm. No, that that shit cracks me up so much. <laughs> Have you seen all the memes where people are like making fun of that? Like, no, someone posted that. Um, someone posted a poll on Twitter. Maybe it was Colleen. I can't remember. Asking who's everybody's favorite droid was. And yeah. King Tom replied, um, and nobody likes C-3PO. And I was like, yeah, I didn't like him, but I wish he had been in The Force Awakens. It didn't feel right having R2 and no C-3PO. You know, because <laughs> I didn't recognize him because of the red arm. Yeah. It right. was funnier on Twitter. Yeah. Um, happy 100, my friends, and here's to many more. Well, thanks, buddy. Uh-oh, so next up, we've got a voicemail from Kit Fisto, the insult comic dog. Insult comic dog. <laughs> oh. oh, and it's all spacey again. Okay, here we go. Hello, moisture fungus. Hold on, this is hold on. I want to do something. Ready, Will, listen. 
Hello. Is there anybody out there? <laughs> Just not if, if you, you can, can hear me. me. Is there anyone at home? Hello. <laughs> Is there anybody out there? <laughs> okay, okay. to see Soar's Bandeem's point on this Kit Festo guy. I don't know that I need to hear about a, an Ewok's lipstick dick. <laughs> Hello. Is there anybody out there? <laughs> Alright. So, uh, we got one more voicemail and one more email. This is from all right, I can't necessarily verify the veracity of this message, but apparently it's from one of the greatest minds of our time. He's a member of my tribe. And when he passes away, you know what he'll be? Well, what? A crippled ghost. Oh. It's Stephen Hawking. Mr. Hawking, may I inquire what's the deal with all the wind noise in the background? 
are you just whipping around super fast in that fancy wheelchair? It was hard to hear at first, but it got better at the end. It did. And, uh, and, uh, speaking of, well, thank you for Mr. Hawking for, uh, listening to our podcast and, and sending us lovely voicemails. From what I hear, uh, what I've read, he used to say that we needed to colonize the planet in the last thousand years, but recently he said it needs to happen in the last hundred, the next hundred years or, our species might not survive if we don't colonize another planet. That's dark. It's kind of dark. I don't know what we've done in the last little while that would make... Well, I mean, I guess I do. I was about to say, I got some ideas. I got, yeah. I could throw some... Yeah, never mind. It's huge. Um, (laughs) It's huge. Tremendous. Huge. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> podcast every week with my best friend will so i don't sit on the couch and get anxious about the fucking going on goings on in our world my man so i don't worry about the planet yeah spinning off into <laughs> climate disaster <clears throat> for real all right so thank you mr hawking for thinking of us in our uh in our hundredth episode and uh might i add that that uh story or that movie that you that came out about you um with Newt's commander playing you and fucking Jen Urso being your wife. Should have made me cry, my man. Did it really? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. The Fantastic Beast guy is Stephen Hawking? He is. All right. So this na- last email, it is a doozy. Uh-oh. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but occasionally, it, it honestly doesn't happen that much, but we might get a little bit of hate mail. And a very wise Australian podcaster, one of my personal podcasting heroes, once told me, just don't give them the attention. They'll go away. And I've been good about that. But every now and then you get one super butthurt email that you just got to read. And uh, today's today's that day. I figured on the 100th episode, why not? And, you know, funnily enough, it was a piece of hate mail that turned one Mr. Steel Saunders onto our goofy little podcast. So, this is from a guy named David. I will not be giving his last name because I don't want people to fucking jump his nuts. Even though he is, uh, as our buddy Vader Nick would say, he's a bit of a cry ass. The subject of the email is, open your fucking mind. And boy, does he start off like a pretentious prick. Listen to this, Will. I'm taking a moment out of my very busy day to write my first email to your show, so I hope you appreciate what I have to say. Fuck you. All right. (laughs) And by the way, Will, you... This is all directed at me. Halls, what the fuck is your problem? I've been listening to your show for the last month or so after hearing good things on other shows like Now This Is Podcasting and Steel Wars. Unfortunately, I can't agree with their assessment of your show because you are one of the most thick-headed, closed-minded people in all of Star Wars podcasting. What has brought on these feelings, you may ask? Your stance on Grey Jedi. Grey Jedi is absolutely something that is part of Star Wars lore, and it's without a doubt where they are headed with the story in The Last Jedi. I've heard you speak many times about enjoying 
Knights of the Old Republic. This is where he starts typing in all caps. Are you not aware that the character Jolie Bendu is a gray Jedi? What about the Voss Mystics or the Imperial Knights from the Legacy series of comics? And of course, we can't forget one of your quote-unquote favorite characters, Qui-Gon Jinn. A goddamn gray Jedi. Do you even research things before you start spewing out your vile, ridiculous opinions? Of course you don't, because you are fucking... And let, might I add, I would never use this term, retarded. I can't wait until The Last Jedi is released and you have egg all over your stupid face. I'm leaving a one-star review for your show on iTunes, and I will be contacting the Making Star Wars Network and suggesting that they remove you immediately. That was it? That was it. Damn. Well... First of all, David, <coughs> thank you for writing in the show, and thank you for reviewing. Even if it is one star, every review helps uh, direct more people towards our show for Star Wars content. Um, I wish you'd had more to say. It sounds like you got a gray Jedi hard on, which from what I can see, you know, there is no canon on gray Jedi because Knights of the Old Republic isn't canon. All the other things you cited aren't canon. And by definition, a gray Jedi is not a Jedi. Like I, 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 I get the concept you're you're swinging at, but if you're a Jedi, you're not in the middle. Like it's you know, gray Jedi is oxymoronic. You know, the Bindu itself isn't a Jedi. It's in the middle. It's neither Jedi nor Sith. Like it's a Force-sensitive being. But you know, thanks for writing in. <laughs> yeah. This dude's butthurt. I did an impression of people talking about Grey Jedi on the last episode you missed, the one that Jeremy did with me. Right. And I have a feeling that might have been what set him off. That set him off. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the concept is neat, but, I mean, it's kind of like in Dungeons & Dragons. Like, how much fun is it to play someone who's truly neutral? Like, true neutral is the most boring alignment there is to play in Dungeons & Dragons because... Why play a character that doesn't give a shit about anything? Yeah. I, I, I wonder if he has... I'll say this. I checked um, pretty recently, and he had not actually emailed the Making Star Wars Network, but maybe he has. I mean... Him. Not that there would really If that's all off. he's got to complain on us about, I mean, right, right away, bro. <laughs> like, they don't like Great Jedi over there at Blue Harvest. Like... <laughs> Uh, well, I like Great Jedi, and I'm here to tell you that Jolie Bindo and the Voss Mystics and the fucking Qui-Gon <laughs> was a Great Jedi, even though they never even said that term in any of the movies. He was a Great Jedi. Open up your fucking mind a little bit, you thick-headed moron. I mean, the best thing I can say for the guy, like, I'm, I hope you still listen to Blue Harvest, <laughs> and if you don't, that's your loss, but... You should write Grey Jedi fan fiction. I'm sure that'd be very popular for your other species of fan that enjoy that Grey Jedi stuff. You should write some Grey Jedi fan fiction. You should print it out on your fucking Epson Inkjet 2000 on some <laughs> nice, like, glossy cardstock paper. You should then ball that up into a real thick, dense ball <laughs> and shove it up your fucking pooper, you ding dong. <laughs> Oh. All right. 
So that's going to do it for this week. But I have one small thing I'd like to do. I want, uh, I got some special thanks to give out on the eve of our 100th episode. So I want to thank, um, first off, all you guys that listen. All of you guys that have left reviews, that have emailed in, that have sent in voice messages. Uh, it means the world to Will and I. We love doing this. We love interacting with you guys. We love having Star Wars friends. I want to thank Steel Saunders for being so supportive of our little show and offering up great advice anytime I ask him something. I want to thank Jason Ward and Amanda over at Making Star Wars for allowing us to be on the network and for being so supportive and for not getting frustrated when I have dumb questions about WordPress posts and things like that. I want to thank The only dumb question is the one not asked. I want to thank Johnny for um, all the work he's done for us and being so supportive. And, uh, and I want to thank real Johnny Grosso, not podcast Johnny Grosso, one of my best friends. How's that for you, Johnny? How's that for you? You know his ass won't even make you it You know this what? Far. You should call him your bestest friend. I'm not going you to. You should put the EST on it. Will's my best friend. Johnny's my bestest friend. There you go. He's my bestest go. friend. Um, and I would like to thank Evan for all the awesome artwork and shirt designs and Ben for that amazing new logo. And I want to take a moment to thank all of the amazing guests that we've had on the show since the beginning. Jeff Ling, Steve Cobra, the bright center to my universe, Jesse McGarity, Miss Bone, Nutty Brown, Josh Isley, Keith Wanzak, Johnny Grosso, Vader Nick, Goose Payne, Evan DeCellis, our good buddy Joe, Jeremy Allen, Steel Saunders, Sal Perales, Calvin, Bryce McGee, King Tom, Jason Ward, Brad Love, and Chris Fresh. Thank you guys for coming on and goofing off with us. Um, we've met some amazing people through this podcast, and I look forward to the next hundred just as much as I have enjoyed these first few hundreds. Hopefully in the next hundred podcast, I'll be able to be on with Steele and Jason. I don't, I, I, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but I don't want to have Steele or Jason on again until you can also be on. No, I understand. They, like, talk they, about the two guests that I you know, are so disappointed that I was not able to be on with. Right, and and look both all so Steele's been on twice and jason's been on once all three of those times those dudes did me a huge solid and saved me from having to do a show by myself and they were great episodes i can't thank them enough but next time both of those guys make it on it's going to be when will's on here so that's that's my promise for 2017 and 2018 <laughs> going forward um before we go uh one last special thanks to five bearded handsome motherfuckers in a little band called Stoned Cobra. They are some of the coolest, most awesome laid back dudes. And uh they were so nice in letting us use that award winning music. And if you guys want to do something to celebrate our hundredth episode, how about you go out and support Stoned Cobra? You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. 
listen to the album, roll the dice. Who knows? You run a chance of getting the lightning dick. Uh-oh. It could happen. Uh-oh. It's been known to happen. It's been known to happen. But guys, that's going to do it for this week. Will, thank you so much for uh, squeezing this one in. We almost, I'm going to tell you guys, it came close to no episode this week because Will had some questions about whether he was going to make it. And I said, if you can't make it, no episode this week because I'm not doing episode 100 without you. I appreciate your dedication to not doing it without me. And I appreciate your flexibility for uh, letting me slide on in there tonight. I do what I can, man. I do what I can. But until next week, and until the next 100 episodes, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.